hello. You found your way to the Pros and Content Podcast again. I'm Ellen Schwartz, host and Senior Director of Demand Gen here at Notch. This season, I'm talking to digital growth and demand gen marketers, and today, a content marketer about using audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. Camille Trent is building momentum as head of content at Dooley, as well as host of her own podcast, Content Logistics from Motion, where she chats with B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. And that, my friends, is the name of today's game. How can content marketers look further down the funnel to make the right decisions for their audience and grow their business? It was a great conversation, and I'm really glad you're here for it. Really quick, do me a favor and check if you are subscribed so you don't miss any episodes this season. We'll have interviews with marketers from Chili Piper, Gong, Stack Overflow, and more. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of Pros and Content. My name is Ellen Schwartz. I'm Senior Director of Demand Generation here at Notch, and I'm really thrilled to welcome Camille Trent. You are Head of Content at Dooley. You also host your own podcast, Content Logistics. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, You caught me on a Friday, so I feel like that's smart. I try and do my podcast on Fridays as well. Excellent. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role at Dooley and your role at Content Logistics? Yeah. So role at Dooley, head of content, head of content marketing specifically. So came on about a year ago and then we built out the team a bit from there. So it's changed like over the year, but it's been a combination of event, brand, SEO, social, all of the things, right? Like uh, my the thing that I say all the time is uh, content is all of the things, right? Like when someone tries to ask, what is content marketing? Well, like anything that has like words and pictures and that someone can consume <laughs> usually falls under content marketing. And then I think a good way to think about it too is with demand generation, some of the copy portion will fall more under demand depending on how the team's set up. But Demand typically handles more of the distributions, especially paid distribution. So when people ask, like that's kind of how I explain it. And that's kind of how it works at Dooley. And then content logistics, I host podcasts, actually motions podcast, but worked with them to set uh, the strategy on it. And I basically set up every episode as a masterclass, like a masterclass in a specific content play. And so, so ideally you should be able to scroll through, find like a, a play that you're looking to level up on and deep dive onto that. Yeah. I like the way that you have it set up. It's really, I think it's set up a bit more by topic and by something where if you understand what you're looking for, you can find it. Yeah. It's interesting uh, that you put it that way. It's almost like not trying to be SEO, but you're trying to be indexable, right? Yeah. And I think it's helpful then to structure the episode topic is you have something to talk about. You're not just saying, I'm going to talk to you about content marketing. Because as you said, that doesn't narrow it down very much. Yeah. Just try and do the editing as much as you can for your audience. Like that's uh, another yeah. core pillar we might we might get into in the show as well. Awesome. Yeah. So kind of diving into your role as head of content. I know we here at Notch love to be strategic. We love to understand what's going on. So what is it that you take into consideration kind of on the day-to-day as you do your job? Yeah. So things that I factor into to make the right decisions. So thinking about that way, especially when you're first setting the foundation, what are we doing here? What would our audience be doing here? Literally, what are they trying to get done? And then from there, ranking those things, right? Like how painful is that problem that needs to be solved? And then how relevant is your solution to solving that problem, right? Is basically a one, two, three, right? So typically like three being it has like high relevance for 
your product? What are the things that we can help you with now? Whereas if, if you read this and we plugged ourselves, I guess, in the right way, that it would be a good match and you just understand that like we can solve your problem. So I think going through that exercise like helps you focus. Here's the, some of the foundational things that, that we need to get done. And then we can sort of work up the funnel from there. That's one way that I think about it. I think the hardest thing with um, startups is you just have limited data. And so it's really hard because you want to like, okay, show me the data. Let's dig into the data. Let's see what's working and what's not working. But typically you're basically starting from scratch, right? Or you have very limited data. But that being said, some, some ways that you can speed up your insights for content are with something like paid ads. So another thing that I'll do is I'll look at some of the search terms that are converting or that are doing well, and then use those insights for organic. Salesforce notes, right? Salesforce notes is like what our whole product, this is obvious, but it's like what our product was built on. And then we expanded out to some other, some other different features and products and things. But knowing that that page like on our site converts pretty well. And then also knowing the paid ad insights from that and pulling that out and saying, okay, like there's enough evidence like that we should probably go deeper into this topic. So just to summarize, I think it sounds like always start with the customer in mind, always understand what they're trying to solve for if it is that they've come to your product or to your site and then go from there. So after that, it's a bit of understanding what metrics do you have to work with? What content are you working with? And how do you understand if it's converting, if it's actually accomplishing a business goal? Yeah. And to clarify too, I, I felt like I dove right into the, okay, day-to-day now. <laughs> um, but there is like backing up to some of that early stage. There's nothing that beats... And I keep relearning this, like just talking to a few customers and specifically like the customer that is an ideal fit customer, right? Like the type of logo that you want that is the right price point for where you want to go that is the right role within that logo, right? There's a lot of factors that can, if you get them wrong, skew the data in the wrong way. So talking to more of the right fit customers and finding out what they like about the product or even how they think about the product, it makes a big difference because it can lead you in a different direction. So doing a lot more of that to start just to wrap your brain around again what it is you're doing (laughs) and not just doing things to do things. That's a lesson I have to keep relearning. But yeah, just just had like a customer interview a few weeks ago that was like breakthrough or like it feels that way every time. Yeah. Like, wow, like I got so much out of this, like so many pull quotes, so many just direction that either reinforces what you're already doing or it's like, no, we need to go a different way. So talk to customers. I think what is interesting to me too is so the kind of second half of your original point was that you can tie this all to something to results that matter. So is there a way that you are specifically approaching attribution to the content that you're creating? What are you looking at to know that what you're putting into the world is the right direction? Yeah. Yeah. So again, when you're in the startup phase, you don't have a lot of that data. You probably don't even have a lot of attribution set up. And so I would recommend setting that up as soon as possible and hiring someone in RevOps or learning yourself to just just set up some of the basics so that you have the insights so that in a year from now, you're not struggling with the same things. And so wish that we'd done some of this earlier, but we did like pretty recently set up self-reported attribution, right? So we do that on the product side and the demo side. So on the product sign-up side option for how did you hear about us? And then 
Same thing with the demo. How did you hear about us? And then the other two things that I look at that are helpful are Google Analytics. So it shows you a little bit of that customer journey. And big caveat here is that, you know, it'll show you a couple of the pages before they converted, right? Before they hit request a demo. But that does give you a little bit into the mindset of like what types of things are make a good case for your product, right? Or convince this person who's probably already pretty convinced to get to this point to take that next step. So that's helpful in understanding what you need more of for that funnel. And then the other piece is, is just a uh, Salesforce, right? So your Salesforce or your HubSpot data and setting up a dashboard there and then comparing the attribution, right? Comparing all of those different things to see like, what content is influencing and that's more where you're going to get from Google Analytics and then what content is converting, like is getting them across the line and then what content is filling in the rest of it, right? What are the other 10 touch points that we can't totally see, right. but you might give us some indication when you fill out that form field. So those are some things. And then on met on what we're measured on. So pipeline and revenue is like, you should kind of just be thinking about business goals in general. To get everyone moving in the right direction, there should be transparency on what the business goals are and a plan to get there. So those are the top things that we look at in past orgs. And I do think this is somewhat helpful. There's been a little bit of like a a waterfall metric, right? Where it's like, this is the number of MQLs, then MQL to SQL, SQL to SQL, then meetings booked, and then even capacity of the sales team. So those are all kind of metrics that you can look at as well to because it is good to track funnel health. I'm guessing at this point, it might feel basic to you that that all mixes together, that all aligns in a way that makes sense. I'm wondering if someone's just starting out, what does that look like? How do you begin to tie your marketing to your to your rev ops? Yeah, that's a good question. So just become good friends with your head of RevOps in in my case, right? She's much more technical and familiar with Salesforce that, than I. And so so she has helped like put together some of the campaigns, for instance, for, for tracking the success of campaigns and then setting up those dashboards, right? So we have one for sales, one for marketing and working with them on what are the types of things that you would need to see to get those insights to to get better, right? And so working on setting up what needs to be in those dashboards, also working with leadership on what they want to see. I think you have to marry all those things. It's not just what you want to see. It's obviously what leadership needs to see and report up to, to the board. So I think that's mostly my answer is work with someone smarter than me to, to, to work out some of those things on the reporting side, but also don't use that as an excuse of like, oh, I need I need RevOps to, to do something. Start to get familiar with whatever platform you're working on. So, you know, my competency in, in Salesforce has gone way up since working here. I really wasn't familiar with it in the past. We'd used HubSpot at a previous company. And so just going in there and playing with the filters and the different tabs, but I think especially reports, dashboards and campaigns like those are the main tabs I guess that I go into there and then part off for email and just making sure I'm aware of how to how to kind of evaluate email and and there I more look at it from a brand standpoint of deliverability and average open rates right that kind of that kind of tells you the health of the brand to some degree of do people want to hear from me <laughs> when when we are when we're sending things out? Are they eager to see what we sent, right, or to to read? And then that's a lot of 
qualitative feedback there too of are we getting DMs on LinkedIn of people complimenting the the content or people sharing about it, right? So aggregating some of those things even for the reports like makes it a a more accurate report in a lot of ways too. Like it shows things that the numbers aren't going to show. So looking at something like email from an open rate standpoint, it's more on the brand. And then obviously from a conversion rate standpoint, um, that's more on the the growth marketing side. But yeah, a lot of what, what I'll do is just uh, is just look at, do people like us <laughs> on, on the email side? Are there metrics, specific metrics that you and your rev team align to as something that's very agreed upon and established ahead of time when it comes to measuring what you're doing is working? Yeah. So, I mean, that this comes back, I think, to to that dashboard side, right? And so that was a little bit earlier stage of coming together with... It was it was mostly VP of marketing, head of growth, me, and then RevOps and like what, what those dashboards should look like, what types of things that we want to measure. It's also kind of a beginning of the year. Are we going to do OKRs, KPIs, both? And what are those going to be at the marketing level, right? And so... Aligning on those with with the full team, just knowing that you're not stuck with that dashboard forever. I think sometimes we're like, this is a dinosaur yeah. legacy thing now. You can always change it and add. And I think that was a decent example of just because we hadn't had self-reported attribution in the past or because we're mainly going to be able to... We won't be able to pull from it for a lot of these, these reports. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have it. So I think also going the extra mile and taking all of that information, like I think ideally monthly is is what I did was it's not standardized like that information. So going through and kind of trying to standardize that and then compare it to what you're getting from other sources, what you're getting from like an attribution tool or what you're getting from Salesforce and just see mm-hmm. do these things match up. And if they don't, can I better understand what that buyer's journey is and yeah, use that to make content? That's what I was just going to dig into a bit. If you're doing the self-reported attribution, what happens when you have a tool that's saying, I have data that's tying this to back to certain things, but your self-reported attribution is really not matching or something doesn't add up? Are you giving different weight to different places? What's the relationship there with the different data that's kind of reporting on the same thing? Yeah. Well, and a good example too is in some cases you might you might see that something's coming in from LinkedIn. Well, is that organic LinkedIn? Is that a paid ad? Like sometimes having a few different sources will help clarify that of how are we using this channel effectively or are we using this channel effectively, right? So another, I think, good example for us is if someone says they're coming from Instagram, we don't do a lot of work um, on organic Instagram. We did some work, but most likely like that is coming from partner that we work with on Instagram too. Right. And so if you were to show that to someone else in the company, they might not realize, Oh, this is coming from a partner or at least the distribution from that partner is helping people see that content. Right. So they might not put that whole story together. So just being really clear on what you're doing in that channel as well. Got it. So you've looked at some attribution, you understand a lot about what's working with your content and some of these metrics. How are you reporting that up within your company or out? You just hit on this a little bit. So we're making sure people have pieced together the right bits of data to tell the correct story, not just the story that they think they see. How is it that you're socializing this, democratizing this? I think there's lots of buzzwords we could plug in here. How do you share what it is that you're doing and whether or not it's working? 
all of those things? Yeah, that's a good question. It goes back to those reports, like helping with easy, easy data, right? So like me, a lot of other people aren't very familiar with Salesforce. So I think sharing it in a weekly, we do a weekly marketing meeting where we go over those metrics and how we're pacing toward them. It's literally just a screenshot of that dashboard, but also again, letting people know that this is a public dashboard. You can go into it. I can help helping people sort of self-serve a little bit if they want more information on the data, just being really transparent. Another thing that I've started doing is a Loom video where I walk through what I see as some of the insights in Google Analytics. And then same thing with Salesforce. And sometimes like I'll also go over that. How did you hear about us too? So kind of experimenting with that, but I've sent a few of those videos out and got some good feedback from the revenue team, right? So like revenue leadership, when I have a recap like that, I think even better is to have like a TLDR, right? Like X, Y, and Z. You don't have to watch the Loom video if you don't want. Yeah. And then kind of similar thing for the team, but we'll do it more in the a meeting setting of how are we pacing to goal, right? So having that a regular standup like that is helpful. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about both the Loom and the TLDR is those are both really, really short form. So at the bottom of this is simplifying it all for your audience and or knowing your internal audience and understanding what's important to them. What do they need to know? How can you convey it in a way that they'll consume it? Yeah. So for instance, I like to have all the the data and the details. I would like you to tell me like, not always, but the full story behind something. So I can kind of also come up with my own conclusion and validate Uh your conclusion. Yeah. But then for most executives and farther, I think you go up in leadership, you want that short form, right? You're like, just edit for me, right? It goes back to like editing for your audience. And so knowing that is is still a work in progress, I think, to to always do that and to always translate it that way. But that's a pretty good rule of thumb is the higher up you go in leadership, like the shorter your like communications should be in a lot of ways. And pretty direct a lot of times. That's what I've had to learn is I feel the need to explain myself in ways that are really unnecessary sometimes to where it's like, at this point in my career, it's like you're hired to do a job because you've proven you can do it. So could you just do your job? And so finding the filter or the edit or the whatever makes sense to say, here's what we saw, here's what we're going to do next. And then having like, if you want to dig in, I can. It's just really hard for me to self-edit like in that way. So it's a good lesson and a good thing to be aware of. So I'm going to change the subject just a little bit and ask you... The way I know about you is on LinkedIn. You're posting a lot. You're creating a lot of content there for Dooley. Do you think that you, even though you're a content marketer, you're slowly shifting into more of a demand generation role? Yeah. So I think I've always been a person that's wanted to like to be a completist, I guess, is maybe like the completionist. Okay. When it was content though, like when it was, okay, I want to sort of conquer content. It was, okay, I need to at least have a pretty good understanding of SEO and social and email and direct response copywriting. I wanted to kind of master all of those things. That's mainly been the goal was was to get to to this point, like content leadership and content strategy is still probably my sweet spot and a favorite place to work. But but that being said, I, I think more and more of content needs to be data-driven. And there's a part of me that in school, for instance, I studied advertising and I was a TA for a research class. And I realized that 
I was the only person in my in my advertising class that liked the research part, right? Like that liked the stats. And so I think taking note of some of those things that are unique of, okay, this overlap of liking data and also liking the copywriting creativity is strange and like maybe something that I should think about or uh, lean into. And basically the the more and more the deeper and deeper I've gotten into my career, the more and more I'm interested in data. And so, and so it's kind of like naturally led me to do more of that type of work. And then also from circumstances, it's like we needed someone to fill in for that. And so it's partly been out of necessity and then partly been out of curiosity and personality. But, but yeah, I basically, as a marketer, I want, I always wanted to, to round out as a marketer. And I think early on growth marketing was probably the weakest spot because I had some experience in product marketing, just working with other product managers as a copywriter and then rounded out more in the content marketing space. It was really just okay. Now growth marketing is the next thing to conquer. And I found that I liked growing things. And so that's part of the battle. And then liking the statistics part and having thought about going back to school for analytics or statistics was was a piece of it too. So yeah, to answer your question, TBD, but I do enjoy some parts of uh, growth marketing. I don't know that I would ever go into a full-time, purely growth role, but I think all content marketers should think like a growth marketer especially in like the the early stage startup space. If you're if you're doing content marketing, you have to kind of make your bets count. Yeah, when you first started out with this answer, I was feeling like it was very much you've understood content, you understood the meat of what you're putting out and then the next step if you were to kind of follow that piece of content through its life cycle would be to understand what it's doing for the business. And because I think you mentioned that it's a partnership between you and your demand gen marketer is that you are doing a lot to create the content to have the right messaging for your audience and they do a lot to promote it, to put it out in the world and to make sure that people are seeing what it is that you're creating. So I don't know if it was something where you can tell me you completely disagree. It's like, is it the next, as you mature as a content marketer, is that a natural next step if you feel like growing your career in that direction? Yeah. So I think there's a couple different tracks you can go and still progress in your career as a content marketer. And progress is like is very relative, right? I think once you find a place where you're really happy and you have the balance that, that you want, just leaning into that. And so, but there's two like major paths, I think, if you want to sort of keep going up the, the corporate ladder, if that's kind of your goal. And so one would be if you really want to lean into just the, the pure content side, you could stay stay a creator and you can you can go up to a senior position and you could get if you wanted to increase pay you could just go to a bigger company there's that option and then it's kind of the same thing if you want to stay in content management i've seen a few different content marketers go into growth and i think this is a little bit more common in the startup space and i've seen it put this way i think this this is smart of the different types of early stage marketers to to hire and to basically look for a crossover. So you want someone who is strong in two of the three main marketing areas. So there's product, content, growth. And so I think knowing like what are the two that you're most strong in, or if it's just one, like what other skill can you add to be pretty strong in two? And that just puts you in a good position to be flexible and to to try different roles if you get bored in one role. So I've seen that happen a few times. And usually it is the the people that are a little bit more data-driven. Um, 
or consider themselves like content people, but data-driven content folks. So finding your sweet spot and both what you like to do and what you are good at and just in realizing that just because you can do something, if it doesn't give you energy or you don't like it, doesn't mean you have to do that. Or So I think those are a few different career paths for people. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's a great note to end on. It's just kind of something to aspire to or people to chew on while they're thinking about their content careers. So that means we've approached the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the first one, it's a little heavy, but what keeps you awake at night as a content marketer? Yeah. I mean, that's an easy one. It's my, my son, when he gets up, <laughs> when he gets up throughout the night, it's been a while now, but we, we did take off like the, the railing on his bed to like turn his crib into a bed. Right. So the yep. first little bit he was getting up throughout the night and he still sometimes remembers that he can, he can just like walk out of his room and, if he wants and be like, Hey dad, I want to, I want to play, play video games with you. So him primarily outside of that, it's, yeah, it's, it's always, what are we going to do next, right? Like, what's the next way that we're we're going to grow? And then just prioritizing tasks of now thinking about best structure for the team. And I guess a lot of what keeps me up at night is, does everyone on the team, like, feel satisfied? And do they have, like, the, the right balance in work, right? Of hmm. the things that we we have to get done and then, or and that might be boring. And then also the things that, that give them energy. So... Are they doing enough on the innovation side? Like, and are we doing enough as a marketing team to innovate and do new things like versus just repeating like the, the same, the same plays over and over. So find that balance at like the team level, but then also the individual level. Well, that was inadvertently a really good segue into my next question, which is, is there a campaign that you would run again? Or is there a campaign that you point to that you feel is a really strong one that you would run again? This is a good question because I just talked about repurposing content like earlier this week. So it's a little bit still top of mind. So at the individual ad or like post or article level, yes, right? Like this is where data comes in too, right? You can repurpose your your best things and whether that's a a social post or whether that is a, an SEO article, repurposing your your greatest hits is never a bad idea. The thing you quoted to me, my own post um, was from a year or so ago. I reposted it. It helps me like revisit because I think I changed some things about it, right? Like your, your thinking evolves and you change some things as you go and you sharpen up how to explain something. You, you get better at explaining your point of view. So I think repurposing, but also revisiting like some of that type of work. And then at more of the campaign level, there's some campaigns that I'm really proud of and that served a good purpose at that stage, right? But a lot of them were more brand awareness and, and credibility. So we had some fun campaigns around our status with G2, right? That we still get quoted back to us and that were memorable enough. And so paying attention nice. to what what kind of like sticks around for a long time and what can people sort of band around both internally and externally. But I, I wouldn't run like the same campaigns. And I do think you should sort of evolve in terms of, okay, this helped us get to this level. How do we need to like rethink about the what we want to get out of this campaign based at the stage that we're at now? What types of projects do we need to work on? How big of swings do we need to take at this stage? So in that way, I wouldn't repurpose any campaigns, but I would repurpose content for different campaigns. Yeah. I think what I heard there too, is that a campaign, it's really a good idea to bring in 
campaigns that have worked, but you can't just sit there and say, right, run it again. You need to understand why it worked. You need to see if there's anything that could be improved. Like, what is it that you should do next? How should you evolve that? Not just hit repeat and hope that you get the same results because it's likely you won't. Yeah. You know, actually, there's two, there's two other things I can add to this in that we did do or start up. You only get one. Sorry. You only oh, get okay. one. I'm kidding. I'll, keep I'll keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to respect the rules if you, if you needed, but so fire talks, like we did, we did a season one and then we did a season two for a reason, but we did want to rethink about again, like the purpose of why we're doing it and adding a little bit more structure or making sure that there is like a topic that relates back to what we do, our product, because the purpose at this stage it can't just be brand awareness, right? And so having it relate a little bit back to to our product and thinking about the different ways that we can repurpose. So that, those are kind of a one way that that campaign evolved. And then I think another one that I guess I would do again that I think more as a program than a campaign is a report. So if we're, I would do a like sales productivity report again, or like a sales yeah. happiness report that we did. So that's a good one to to run back. Yeah, I've heard that one a couple of times is using your own data to find insights for your industry is going to win most of the time. You're going to find some of the people who have kind of been in the periphery and saying, I'm ready, but I don't have a good reason to kind of take the leap into your product. So yeah. I like it. Okay, so where's the best place you've traveled? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a few places that I really liked. I, I went to Ireland this summer. So that one's top of mind. So I'm just gonna, I'll, I'll stick with that. That was a lot of fun. I went with all uh, some of my good friends, my old college roommates, and we did a, a girls trip. So um, amazing! No, no family, uh, and it's been a, been a while, like been years since we all got together. Some of them, some of them live in Europe, and so you know, I don't, I don't, don't get to chat with them too much. So that was a lot of fun, and you know, it's beautiful. It was good. It was a good time to get to go. So I'll go with Ireland. High quality content when you can combine all of those things. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was the trip, like even more so than the place, I would say. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the people you were with, that's incredible. I'm glad you got to do that. That's wonderful. Okay. So what is your pandemic cliche? Pandemic cliche. Earlier this week, I was on a webinar and I still got called out for being on mute. So I don't know how I've gotten this (laughs) far (laughs) in life uh, and still had a job in tech while still being on mute more times than I would like to admit. Fair enough. Yeah, I do feel like if we're in this business of hosting things too, I think that's a bit of like salt in the wound almost. Like that's almost some days your job is actually knowing to come off mute. Sorry. That's my number number one priority, I think for every day. It's just, this is gonna (laughs) be the day where I have no tech troubles. I'm just good at technology. Okay. I hope, I really wish you well in that endeavor. (laughs) I hope you succeed someday. Thank you so much, Camille. It has been really great to chat with you today. Final question is just, what would you like people to take away from this podcast? This particular episode, I guess the whole thing is on me, but this episode. Yeah, I think I think I'd just love for people to have a few more ideas on how they can measure content. At the end of the day, it's, it's very hard to prove your role as a content marketer. So I, I feel that. And I hope this gives you a few more just tools for your toolkit uh, that you can use for attributing your success, your team's success, and ultimately just moving the business forward. So that's what I'd hope people take away. I like that a lot. If people would like to connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, the best place is still probably LinkedIn. I have been less active there than I've been 
last year, for instance, but I'm still pretty good about responding to, to, to DMs. And then the Dooley page, you can find some of my, some of my content, some of our team's content. So shameless plug there, but those are the two best places. I appreciate. I don't know if I appreciate it. I think I may be a bit embarrassed that you're saying that you've really slacked off on LinkedIn. And I think you do about 10 times as much as I do. So thanks Repurposing. for that. Repurposing. Yeah. Repurposing. I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten a, a little bit lazier, but a little bit smarter, I guess, in sort of hitting a, a cadence or something, a less consistent cadence. Very good. Well, thank you again so much. And to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to Pros and Content wherever it is that you found us. This season, digital growth and demand and marketers are sharing how they use audience journey strategy and metrics to accelerate business growth. Thank you so much, Camille. It's been really great. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for listening to Pros and Content. Don't forget to subscribe if you found this episode informative. This season, we're focused on how marketers prove their contribution to business growth at all stages of the funnel. Find more episodes wherever you're listening and learn more about uncovering your organization's true audience journey at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H dot com.